The weekend is over. That means Matt Bonaparte and Brad Klein are back on Locked On Syracuse. Uh, Cole Swider out here just dripping, absolutely balling in the NBA Summer League. Brad and I are going to talk about it. We're talking about whether the Bayheim brothers also have a chance in the NBA. It's on Locked On Syracuse, and it's right about now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Brad Klein, and we're back, baby. I'm amped to be back this week. It's July. How about that? It's getting hot outside, Brad. Uh, thank you for making hold on, hold on. Syracuse your first I'm in Alabama. Day, Brad. You're the one in, in Connecticut. It's getting hot outside. Come on. Jeez. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Brad's complaining. He's whining about the heat. That's right. Uh, it'll be fine, Brad. You're going to live. What do you think uh, my but, kind of hair does in the heat? What happens to it? I don't know. Does it curl up? What happens is you have to wear hats during podcasts. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before you say any more words, Brad, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Lockdown College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, all right, Brad. The big news for Syracuse right now is that Cole Swider went out in the NBA Summer League, these weird prelim games that they play, that the Lakers played in against the Miami Heat Summer League team, and he was great. The dude was shooting the ball really well. Uh, kind of reminded me of that game that you and I were both at, uh, at the Dean Dome mm. at UNC, where he was just lights out. How about that game? Oh my God! I'll never forget it. He couldn't miss, and that's the thing. That's the thing about shooters is that if they're hitting their shots, they're awesome and they're God. And Cole Swider is an NBA player, at least he was on that night in North Carolina. But he legitimately looked like a piece that could contribute. Now the only thing is he had 13 points, and nine of them came from beyond the arc. Three of five from beyond the arc, five of seven from the field. It, to me, it, Cole Swinder can shoot. That's why the Lakers took a gamble on him for a two-way deal. Cole Swinder can shoot, and in his 19 minutes, he showed that. The question is, can he do a little bit more? Can he be a two-level scorer? He doesn't need to be a three-level scorer. He's not a star. They're probably not going to ask him to shoot from anywhere besides three, but he needs to be a threat. Totally. Uh, if he's going to succeed in the NBA, he's going to be a 3-and-D guy. Uh, and I don't know necessarily that he will succeed, but if he's going to shoot the ball like that, I mean, he could. Um, the other thing that I think people kind of get caught up on is that, oh, he's not, he's not strong enough. He doesn't have big enough of a body. Uh, let's talk about O'Shea Percet for a second. Yep. This was a guy who at Syracuse was described as the closest to an NBA frame, the closest to an NBA body, and he absolutely was. Uh, he was big, he was strong, he could yam, he could play really great defense. The dude was awesome. One of my all-time favorite Syracuse players, O'Shea Brissett. 
He went to the league and he succeeded with the Indiana Pacers as an undrafted free agent. But the thing about him is that he went from being the, the having the most potential of an NBA body to being absolutely yoked. O'Shea Brissett is huge. Like, go find a picture of him. The man is ginormous. So once these guys get in the NBA gyms and they really put their mind to the grind set that is getting big and getting a big NBA body, that's not necessarily something that you're going to have to worry about. These teams take a flyer on guys like this because they see the potential of them to be able to morph into that. Cole Swider is going to be fine if if, a if the Lakers want to continue to give him a shot. That's not something I'd be worried about. What I would be worried about is that he's going to keep hitting those threes because as Syracuse fans know, the guy is streaky. That's actually funny that you should say that. I don't disagree with you necessarily, and obviously with Brissett transforming his body and no one at Syracuse, Syracuse fans, Syracuse coaches or players was especially surprised because they knew what Brissett was capable of. But you can be impressed without being surprised. And I think that's the best way to describe the the reaction to Brissett's development. But with Cole Swider, you're saying like there are parallels in the belief that the Lakers have in Swider to what the Pacers had in Brissett. It's a little different, though, right? Because the Lakers, as weird as it is, being in a, a playoff or rather a team that missed the playoffs last year, they're a win-now team, and they're going to be making some moves probably in the couple of coming days. Who knows? Maybe they poach Kyrie and or KD. They're a win-now team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and I think they're looking for a win-now two-way player. I don't know if they see Cole Swider as a guy with potential, a guy that's going to grow into his body and become something to actually earn another NBA contract. I think what they see in Cole Swider is, hey, if he's good enough, if he's good enough, we can use him off the bench. That's the best case scenario right now. We're not thinking of two years from now, three years from now, and certainly not five. It is what can he do for us next few months? Yeah, and don't get it twisted. Like, I'm not saying that Cole Swider is going to go out there and just be huge and be this huge sure, buff sure, sure. dude. He's not. But the Lake, what I'm saying is the Lakers give him a chance because they could see him maybe one day being an NBA player. And to be an NBA player, you got to get big. Uh, while you were talking, I went out and got this picture of O'Shea Brissett to talk to you about Love what it. I was saying about the dude's massive now. I mean, to just quote take a look Matt at him. If you're, this guy, if you're not if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, just go onto YouTube for like two seconds and check this out because Bone says he is absolutely quote yoked. That's what you said. He is Bone. Yoked. Yoked. He's he yoked. Is. He is. He absolutely is. And the visual uh, audience is seeing that. But you know um, what? You know what? Something what? that I will compare Swider to Brissett in one way is that now Swider obviously more of a shooter than Brissett was, but when the shots aren't falling for Swider, when the scoring wasn't happening for Brissett, I feel like they both, something I respected about them, they both found a way to contribute in other ways. For Swider, it was his rebounding. He was the leading rebounder last year. Yeah. We talked so much totally. about Jesse Edwards, most improved player in the ACC, one of the best centers in the ACC, if not the country. But it was Swider as the leading rebounder. And sure, Edwards was in foul trouble and he missed some time with the wrist. But Cole Swider was picking up six, seven, eight, ten rebounds a game sometimes because he was a scrappy player, high IQ, and knew, okay, even if the shots aren't falling, I can still contribute. That was the big difference between him and the last player that the Lakers took a shot on from Syracuse, Alan Griffin. 
thought you were going to say Dion Waiters. <laughs> Alan Griffin, by the way, uh, shout out to Alan Griffin on the basketball career. He called it a yeah. uh, he yeah. called it a career. Uh, it's wraps for him. Um, well, I'll never forget it. that block against yeah. Buffalo. Sure, that was cool. That was pretty cool. I'll also never forget when Robert Braswell just completely uprooted his career at Syracuse well, when hey, it actually counted the I'm most. Not going to go that far. Hey, hey, I'm okay. just trying to stay on the positives here for AG. Let's think about it. I'm I'm being serious. That is the fatal flaw of Alan Griffin when Syracuse fans think back to him. It is if his shot wasn't falling, and more specifically, if his first two shots didn't fall, mentally checked out. Not close. He, had, he arguably had the worst shot selection I've ever seen of a Syracuse player, though. His shot selection was so poor. And I don't understand why Bayheim continued to start him in the tournament, but he did. Um, and in that 21 tournament, I remember because I, I was lucky enough to be at that tournament. Um, and it would be the first shot. Alan Griffin threw up the first brick. Bayheim would immediately say, Braswell, get over here. <laughs> immediately Griffin's out of the game. Um, but yeah, but anyway, you're totally right about Swider being a rebounder, though. And then he wouldn't come back in. Swider um, being a rebounder on the glass and a rebounder mentally, too. That's something that's a pro asset. And I think that eventually, here's what's going to happen. I'm telling you, when July really kicks into gear, because this was like a prelim summer league game, when he gets to Vegas and he actually starts to play, he's going to miss some shots. And I wouldn't be surprised totally. if one day he has like an 0 for 4 from beyond the arc day. But can he still have a, and plus minus is a flawed stat, but can he still essentially have a plus in his plus minus? That's the question. I can't remember. You might have told me this, Brad. So let me know if I'm stealing your work right now. Um, but the funny thing I always admired about Cole Swider, somebody told me this story. I think it might have been you, um, was when he was in the locker room after beating, after Syracuse had beat BC. And somebody asked him a question, again, could have been you, who said, why do you always beat up on Boston yeah. College? It was you. Yeah. And yep. he goes, well, when I was in the transfer portal, they didn't take a look at me. <laughs> I always remembered that. I thought that was a crazy story. That's an insane yep. story. And for him, like that just shows so much of what kind of player he is. Uh, and I mean, so I think that that goes toe to toe with, I don't think he cares when he misses a shot. He has utmost confidence that he's a fantastic NBA player. Uh, and to be one, you have to have that mindset, even if you aren't one. So uh, well, I think that story shows a little bit on that. Do you remember in the beginning portion of the season, and he was, let's just call it what it is, he was awful from three. Terrible. Terrible. And we all he thought was he was going to be great after those two exhibition games against uh, yeah. Pace yeah, he was and supposed to be great. And that's why he came over to Syracuse. He transferred to Syracuse because he was really good at hitting threes, and then suddenly wasn't hitting threes. And it was it was a it was a head scratcher for a lot of Syracuse fans. And time and time again in the press conferences, you were there, I was there. He was being asked about his three point shot, and he kept on saying like, "No, no, I'll hit him. You know, I, I'm going to yeah. keep on taking him." But trust me, I got this, you know, and then he would have another bad game and then another. Eventually it clicked and some games like UNC would come up. So I have the confidence in the mental and professional strength of Cole Swider. Absolutely. I think he's actually going to fit in very nicely in the NBA ranks. I hope so. Uh, all right. Let me take a moment to tell you about LinkedIn jobs as the sun comes out. And small businesses are back in business. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview 
faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So here, Bones, we're talking about Syracuse's pro-aspiring players in the Summer League, talking about Cole Swider, also the two others, Jimmy Beheim, Buddy Beheim, both in Detroit and, or with Detroit, I should say. Now, (laughs) I don't think it should necessarily be uh, an outlandish take to say that a lot of people have Buddy as the guy who has the better chance to stick than Jimmy, but let's talk about Buddy first, and we'll, we'll get to Jimmy later. Stick with the Bayheims before we go solely to Buddy, because I don't know if you saw, but there was a radio show on the score 1260. They were talking about, of all things, not a, a, a new topic of discussion when it comes to the Bayheims, talking about nepotism. Oh, they were saying this. Buddy and Jimmy are only in Detroit, specifically Jimmy, because Syracuse has a relationship with the Pistons and Detroit and whatever, and it's nepotism. What happens? Jim Beheim calls into the show and says, no, you're wrong. Buddy was great. Jimmy was awesome. And they belonged there. They belong in the NBA ranks. They belong uh, in the summer league with a chance to prove themselves. So Buddy Beheim specifically doesn't get his name called uh, on draft day. Again, not the biggest surprise. But when it comes to him, he might have been the best shooter in the draft and still wasn't called. Yeah. And, And let me say a couple things about this. First of all, an NBA team doesn't waste a spot on somebody on their NBA summer league roster because of they're doing a favor. That's just not how professional athletics yeah. work. The only time you're going to see a favor in terms of drafting or whatnot is in the major league baseball draft. When somebody <laughs> takes somebody's kid in the 9,000th round. Okay. That's the only time that ever happens. Uh, it happened for Mariano Rivera's son and like maybe Mike Piazza and that one worked out. Um, Buddy Beheim and Jimmy Beheim have these spots because they played really, really great college basketball. Buddy was the leading ACC scorer, and Jimmy Beheim kind of nearly single-handedly beat Duke in the ACC turn or ACC tournament. So Crazy. I don't want to hear this nepotism stuff. Uh, the second thing I have to say about it is people are talking about the relationship they have with the Pistons uh, because Troy Weaver is the GM of the Pistons, who yep. obviously was a the the main scout on Carmelo Anthony back in 2002. Maybe some people say nepotism. I say that's like the coolest thing ever that Buddy and Jimmy get to go play for the Pistons where Troy Weaver is involved. There was a great picture of Buddy signing his contract right next to Troy Weaver. I mean, that's fantastic. I don't yeah. know what really gets cooler than that. Um, there's no nepotism here. And, and Jim Beheim, whether you want him to call in or not, you're going to criticize him for that. I don't really care. I think he has the 
whole right to go and defend his sons who played incredible basketball last season. Uh, were they Paolo Bancaro and A.J. Griffin and Trevor Keels and Mark Williams? No, but they played good basketball. And whether you like it or not, Buddy Bayheim was the ACC's leading scorer. I'll say it again. Uh, so, yeah, and, and talk. They, I don't want to hear it. And they might not have been Bancaro or Keels or Williams or Griffin, but they were on the court with them and they were playing very competitively with them and almost kind of sort of should have beaten them. Obviously not Buddy, but... Uh, yeah, I and mean, Buddy was Those first two good. games are brutal. I'll say first that. two games were brutal, but you know what? Buddy was as good at the time. I'm not saying he will be as good prospects and, and potential is a different story. But last year, Buddy was as good as A.J. Griffin. I'm not saying I would have taken Buddy instead of A.J. Griffin. I'm just saying last year, production points numbers wise yeah numbers is as good, you know, and I don't I mean, I know that Buddy deserves a shot. And he's getting it. And a lot like Cole Swider in that he's going to stick if he hits his shots. I think it also, and Buddy was able to perform at a high level the day after a tough shooting performance, which is another key contributor, contributing factor in your ability to. Oh, did we lose Brad Klein? We may have. Um, I think we did. Well, probably wait for Brad Klein to return. I don't know where he was going with that, but hopefully we'll get that back. Uh, oh, is he back? No. All right. Well, listen, Buddy and Jimmy, also very cool that they get a chance to play together uh, in Detroit. I mean, that's where I can see some people maybe want to make a nepotism claim. But at the end of the day, think about what Jimmy did in the ACC tournament against Duke after Buddy outright punches a guy I'm kind of over talking about that he deserved the suspension whether you like it or not um Jimmy goes out the next day and nearly beats Duke and there goes Brad um oh is he back Brad Klein do we have you all right just gotta ride the wave yeah we're here <laughs> can I'm you sorry. do you care to finish your point Sure. With Buddy, it's just going to come down to defense. Can he play good enough defense to stick in the NBA? Because the shooting is there. <laughs> That's all you had to say? <laughs> that was it. You're so close. It. Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty close. Right. You know, the internet's pretty brutal. It's not the first time it's happened, but you know what? Maybe it's just an Alabama thing. You know, uh, it's all more wires and internet and satellites in Connecticut and Jersey and New York. You know, I'm not used <laughs> to all this backwoods stuff in alabama <laughs> Brad. all right why don't you read an ad and then we'll get on to it all right sure uh, the ad you're talking about my favorite and that's bet online because bet online is your number one source for all your betting stats sports information i go to bed online and it's not gambling for me it's an investment. That's what I tell my parents. That's what I tell my brother. Because Bet Online helps me find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. So, Bones. Okay. Yeah, man. 
we're back and I'm back and the internet is uh, clinging on by the fingertips here. So <laughs> we talked about Cole Swider. We talked about Buddy Bayheim. Buddy time was cut into my internet uh, problem. But we move on now and we talk about the third aspiring pro in America, that is, from Syracuse, and that's Jimmy Bayheim. And Jimmy Bayheim is an interesting case. We talked a little bit about the nepotism claims. I think most of that had to do with Jimmy because, again, Buddy, I don't think anyone is doubting his talent. But Jimmy, at times, he was okay, only okay. And if you're only okay in the ACC, I don't know if you're really going to make it in the NBA. But there were other times when he was fantastic. And you mentioned Duke. Yeah, and while you were gone, flipping the internet off and on, I uh, was talking about how cool it is that they get to play in the same summer league roster. Yeah, and if you want to cool. make the nepotism claim there, maybe, but like still no. Um, and I was talking about that Duke game. I mean, remember that dunk he had in the Duke game where like I didn't think it, he was going to make it? Like I, I really, again, we were fortunate enough to be at that game. Um, and you watch him go up for that and you're like, there's no shot. He's making that. Uh, and then he like <laughs> barely got it in. Um, but, you know, he played a great game that day and obviously a really emotional presser after uh, buddy punched that guy. Uh, and he just kind of said, I want my brother to play one more game. Uh, very emotional press conference. Kind of sad that that's how buddy's career ends in Syracuse, but don't punch a guy. Uh, and, and no, you know, Jimmy, that though. I don't know if that's true, but you uh, think nobody's road, ever going to remember he punched a guy? No, they're not going to forget that he punched a guy, but that's not how he's going to be remembered is what I'm saying. No, like, no, no. He's example. not going to be remembered. Like, like people, people are more likely to remember how it ended for Frank Coward than than they will remember how Buddy Yeah, yeah totally. Because they weren't making the tournament anyway. Yeah. Um, But, you know, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, Jimmy played a great game. And, and I think that was his best game of the year, probably. Maybe he had like one other one that was really good. But he put together a season that didn't warrant a two-way contract, didn't warrant being drafted. But he definitely deserves a shot in the summer league. Uh, and I'm excited to see what he puts together. I don't think he's going to play in the NBA. I do hope he plays in Europe. And then I do think he will be a college coach. I could see him as a coach. I think he'd be a pretty good coach. The thing Genius that I will too. Oh, he's brilliant. The thing I will always remember about Jimmy, and, and you talk to me five years from now, and, and regardless of what he's up to, you say the name Jimmy Beheim. I'm gonna think back to the press conferences that you and I went to after the games that you and I went to. And whether hair. it be what's that? Oh, he had the best he had hair on the hair. team by far. <laughs> But whether it be the loss to Villanova crushing in the second half in the Garden, Georgetown, ACC tournament obviously was different because that was the end of the season. He took every loss harder than the rest of the team. And he would wear it. And he would wear it. Uh, That's the type of thing that you love to see, the passion and the actual respect for the game and the care that he put into his performance, but also the team's. But at the same time, I don't know how that's going to translate into the NBA. You play 82 games in theory because, you know, we'll see if he sticks. But you play a lot of games, a lot more than you do in college. And just to be frank, they can't mean as much as they did in college because if they do, you're not going to make it through a full season. So I think that's the type of thing that Jimmy just going to have to try to set aside or more specifically channel into his game a different way. Well, also, I think it was an incredibly 
emotional season. I mean, you're playing yeah. for his your dad and you're, you're playing with your brother and it's your final year in college. You know, people know what we're talking about, hopefully. But if you don't, like Jimmy would go into every loss, every every pre- postgame presser after a loss. His head was in his hands almost every single time. Always looked like he was about to cry if he wasn't already. The guy cared about those games, or at least showed how much he cared about those games more than anybody involved on the team. Um, and I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think he cares nearly as much about a Piston Summer League game as he did about Syracuse regular season games. Um, but his care for for the sport, he loves the sport. Uh, and that much is clear through that kind of action. I, I think that one day he hopes to maybe be filling the shoes that his dad provides at Syracuse. Maybe we'll see him as the coach one day. How wow. cool would that How be? about that? That'd be pretty um, cool. That would be cool. I don't know. I, well, and, and I haven't talked to Jimmy uh, about this at all, but I, I'm going off of other conversations we've had in that, you know, he took every game so seriously at Syracuse. And obviously he was bred in the program his father, his upbringing, he was there for all the big games as a child. I don't, he never expected to play for Syracuse. That I know. Um, and then COVID happened and he was able to chew on it. An opportunity presented itself. I don't, I think it's safe to say that if he never expected to play at Syracuse and thus never expected to play high level college basketball, if you don't want to count the Ivy League as high level college basketball, he never expected to get a two way deal in the NBA. He never expected to play in the summer league. So he's going to go out there, play for the Pistons, wear the uniform, play with his brother again, which is beautiful after what happened and how the season ended. And he's going to leave it all out there. But he is playing, unlike a guy like Cole Swider or Buddy Beheim. Jimmy plays with absolutely nothing to lose because he's already ahead. Because he's already surpassed his own expectations. Uh, Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and I hope that we see him kind of pull a Demetrius Nichols at some point when he's done playing, grad assistant for Syracuse, and go from there. Uh, but I guess only time will tell. All right. Well, thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today. Get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On ACC your second listen That is Locked On ACC. Brad and I will be back tomorrow, hopefully at the end of this week or perhaps next week. We get you some exclusive TBT content, but you'll have to be uh, staying tuned on our Twitter for that. For now, we leave you there and we'll see you tomorrow.